Hello, Blenders, and welcome to Real Blend episode number 76, the shot-for-shot shot live-action remake of episode number 75. That's, My name oh, is... What? That's a bad comparison. We have souls. But the Lion King joke. Oh, I you know it's it. a you Lion King joke. It. It's true, we do have souls. Kevin will defend Lion King later on in the show. Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Sean O'Connell, the managing director here at Cinema Blend. I'm joined, as always, uh, in the Real Blend family by my two handsome, intelligent, charismatic, and blessed by Tarantino co-hosts, starting with Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Kevin, how are you, sir? Yeah, Sean, we live in a post-Tarantino interview world here. Right. It's pretty insane. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's pretty insane. Sorry. It, it is a little bit strange. Um, if everybody knew how often we texted the same photographs back and forth to each other, <laughs> it's not a different photo. It's, it's the same the picture same photo, a same couple times a day. Followed, uh, accompanied with the caption, can you believe this? Right. Like as if we were afraid one of the four of us forgot it for a, for a second. Uh, that other voice is Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Jake, say hello because Gabe won't. Oh, hey, hey, we got him on the last episode. That was yeah. almost as big of an exclusive interview as Tarantino. You had to jam a microphone in his face to get him to answer. It was, Whatever it, it was, I want to comment on this again because I listened back to last week's episode and it was, um, it was odd to address Gabe sitting in the room with us and have him not answer. Like just <laughs> not reply. <laughs> it's not how yeah. communication works. But people don't understand that even though Gabe was in the room, he was actually producing a Hero Blend episode <laughs> while we were doing a Real Blend episode. So, like, he would be rapping another host, and we were like, Gabe, we just started talking about this topic two seconds ago. It was really yes, weird. Well, across the blend of uh, Real Blend and Hero Blend, our guest this week, not Tarantino, as much as we talk about Quentin. Uh, Tarantino, the full Tarantino interview will be on next week's episode, number 77, uh, which we have agreed to drop on July 25th. So circle that date on your calendar. However, it's not like we're slacking, uh, in any way, shape or form, because later on in this episode, we will have Marvel president Kevin Feige joining the show, um, an interview that we conducted while part of the, oh, God, I loved being a part of the, in oh, wait, the Spider-Man far from it? home junket. Kevin, did and, you enjoy uh, being a part of that? Interview? Wait, is it is this the same interview I, that it, it took Gabe a month to confirm to uh, to yeah, actually um, approve it? Well, to his credit, he was finding a hard time slotting it in amongst right. all the other huge names that we had. Uh, but I, I'm <laughs> a little concerned, though. I mean, I really want Quentin Tarantino on the show next week, Gabe. Right. I mean, I, I want to make sure you're going to approve this. I mean, I'm just a little concerned. He's uh, <laughs> he, he's doing that. Maybe, maybe do you think that th do you think that that joke is old to Gabe or was it just never funny? Never no, funny. it's still uh, funny actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's the third option. All right, we're gonna start with reviews uh, as we always do. If you guys send us a review, we are proud to read it at the top of the show. There are multiple ways that you can do it. Um, that you can do do a re there are multiple ways that you can send us a review. Gabe, fix that in post. Hey guys, producer Gabe here. Just wanted to hop on real quick so that I could tell Sean no. Uh, you can email it to us at realblend at cinemablend.com. That will reach us. Uh, this first one that I'm about to read came that way. You can also go to our iTunes page and leave us a review. We're up to 118 star ratings, and I think we have 65 written reviews. But this one in particular came to us via email, and it's from Previn uh, Naidu. I'm going to say Previn Naidu. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. 
Uh, but he is from South Africa. And he says, hi, guys, I would like to thank you for a great show. I've been following the podcast from day one, and it's better and better every week. I love your insights into the world of movies and enjoy how you guys approach setting up interviews and junkets. You guys really make us feel a part of the conversation, and that's what makes this podcast so special. Three friends hanging out and talking about movies with lots of love from sunny South Africa. Since I'm in Africa, I have to end by saying Wakanda forever, which is a great, that's the perfect way to end a review from South Africa. So I sent him back a sweet uh, graphic of uh, Black Panther doing the Wakanda forever that I saw, and he wrote me back and said he appreciated it, now we're pen pals. So, my friend, Previn from South Africa. Our second one uh, was posted on the iTunes page, and it is from someone that we all know uh, very closely from the junket, uh, the junket world, Tara Hitchcock. Tara, uh, who has been friends with the guys forever. Tara is my wedding than I have. Yeah, and she's going to mention this in the review. Actually, she says uh, her subject line is a, an apologetic friend. And she says, yes, I'm starting my review with an apology, and I'm sorry for not listening sooner and not weighing in earlier. I've known Kevin and Jake for years, and she's just getting to know me more recently. And I've been privy to Kevin's goofy puns, nervous pre-interview moments, and encounters with his cinematic idols for years. Mm. She adds, heck, I even think I witnessed his first marital spat hours after his I do's over late delivered Taco Bell for the wedding party. This is party. true. This is true. It's very true. Yeah. Uh, Taco Bell's fault, obviously. She says, no, Jake, no, no, I've no. Ad- it was not Taco Bell's fault? No, there was a mix-up in communication. Like the, I, I thought the food wasn't there, but the food was there. And I, for people who don't know, Taco Bell was delivered to my wedding. It's my favorite And it was food. awesome. It was amazing. My wife and I had our first date at Taco Bell. It was great. I loved Oh. You guys, guess what? I'm going, I'm going to the Taco Bell Hotel. In Palm Where's Springs. the Taco Bell Hotel? In Palm Springs. They opened up a Taco Bell Hotel for like a couple weeks. I'm actually going. I have a room. I have a room at Taco Bell Hotel on August 8th, I think. Is it called a Hobel? <laughs> that would be amazing. I'll, the one thing oh I'm excited God. about really is. Jake, stop it. That was good. They have, guys, they have hot sauce floaties in their pool. I, I'm like, I can't wait. To, to see this. Anyways, continue. I, I just picture Sean lying in bed at night around 2 a.m. and just going, Ho Bell. Taco, Taco Ho Bell. Come on, that's funny. I think it's uh, funny. Jake, she says with two question marks, I've admired his sense of style, well thought out questions, and endless attempts to get Anne Hathaway and others to take him up on his fold out couch offer in his Houston, now Chicago digs for about a decade. Well, that's that's good timing because we're playing Anne Hathaway blend later yeah, on it in is. the show. But anyway, sadly, says Tara Hitchcock, I, this is a long one, but I think it's worth reading. I didn't listen to the Real Blend podcast for a while because I figured that I see these guys enough already and usually overhear their thoughts on <laughs> She's sick of us. After our junket screenings. I regret that move with an exclamation point. I've loved every episode and still haven't caught up as I'm now backtracking to make sure I listen to each one. Sean, I'm a parent also, and it moves me when you weigh in from that perspective, whether it's reviewing a film or sharing your movie-watching experiences with your boys. Kevin and Jake and Sean, I'm so proud of you guys. Love the friendship and enthusiasm and knowledge you all share weekly on this show. It's funny, witty, respectful, educational, all at the same time. More importantly, it's a reminder that if you're not doing what you love with people whom you love, then what's the point? 
If you're a movie fan and you don't listen to Real Blend, you are missing out. My only hope is that one day Sean, or maybe I should direct this to Gabe, will let me join for a few moments, if for no other reason than to share the story of Kevin and Jake and glamping at the Jurassic World junket. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good story. And Jake and I decided to share a, a camping site on Kooloa Ranch where they shot Jurassic Park, as one does, right? Yeah, that's a sentence that you are allowed to say. Yeah, yeah right. I can't believe and, it's and actually they, a sentence. And there was a, an available tent for everyone to have there. Or not just a tent. Where like It was true glamping, where like it was almost a mansion inside of a tent. I don't uh, know what every, glamping was, is. What is glamping? Glamping is like glamorous camping. Glamorous camping. Ah, oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And uh, it, it, there was uh, a tent for every person who wanted it. And Kevin and I chose, we, we like almost shoved everyone aside, not so that we could go get the best tent, but we could find the one tent with two twin beds so that we could tent and camp together. So that's, that's the story that she's And I will say there's a, there's a gift that we talk about often on the show and it's, it's, um, Conan O'Brien looking through the glass. (laughs) Yes. And I woke up, I can remember specifically waking up, uh, the next morning and going on Instagram and seeing those photos of you guys in the tent and and the... (laughs) I did the Conan O'Brien. <laughs> we have we have moments throughout the course of real blind history yeah. where um, one of us is doing something so cool and the other ones are left out, and that so was one of my moments. Allow me to uh, anger uh, Gabe this early in the show. Did you guys see the um, video where uh, Conan O'Brien uh, got canceled on by Kumail Nanjiani? Seriously, did you guys see this? Did this not. Is, I, not I heard about it. I read like headlines it's and. A, uh, but I, I, I didn't see any video of it. All right, I'll keep this vague then. Just go to Twitter, go to Conan's Twitter account. Essentially, 30 minutes before Conan O'Brien's taping of his show, Kumail Nanjiani had to cancel. So Conan comes out and does this monologue, <laughs> essentially saying, I have no idea what we're going to do in our show tonight because our guest canceled. So oh, he wow. like, it's insane. So basically, from what I understand, Kumail was was shooting something. I want to, maybe it's Silicon Valley. I don't remember what show it was. And he wasn't able to get out of the shoot in time to make it to Conan's show. So it is real. Like, Conan actually had to improvise a show without a guest. Um, and then, so back and forth now, him and Kumail have been going back and forth. No, they're not mad. He's not even mad. Conan actually had Kumail on his podcast today in a friendly manner to explain the situation. Because I think Kumail was getting, like, backlash. People were, like, saying that... He canceled on Conan, but it was actually a work-related problem. He couldn't get well, it's out. It's funny, like people like Pretty Carson amazing. and Leno used to have go-to like standby guests who yeah. lived local and could just come on and tell stories for but just thirty such a minutes before. This is thirty minutes before the show taped. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, yeah. think about how, you know, how close that is to the taping. It's yes. like insane. So yeah, like if, yeah. it's amazing. If you go out, go to Conan's Twitter, just watch his opening monologue. It's 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 actually pretty amazing how he did it. Did it really well. He did a good job. Well, to get back on track, I want to thank Tara for that amazing review. Thanks, Tara. And for listening. Thank you so much. And for spreading the gospel. Because as we say, our greatest marketing uh, tactic is listeners spreading the word of the show. And I've even seen on social um, a good amount of people who maybe started following us because we've been sort of dropping Tarantino hints on the Real Blend account. We picked up a lot of followers. But it's not just that. I've seen people who then say, oh, I've started listening to this podcast and it's actually pretty good. If you guys like movies, you should uh, follow along. And so that's always great. And then what I love is we've got like this unofficial welcoming committee of of a group of people who have been to meetups and such that they'll automatically get on and start like greeting new people to the yeah. Blender family. And again, it's it's showing to a certain extent that some of this is out of our control. Like we, yeah. just, we do the episodes and you guys meet on your own and have your own conversations and sometimes loop us in and 
and we're just glad to keep fostering the uh, the, the lines of conversation. And so I just find it weird. My mom goes to meetups and doesn't tell me about it. Like 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 she'll just go strange. to like a real blend meetup and then not say anything to me. And I'm like sponsored. Like she'll one. send me selfies. I'm like, what's going on here, mom? <laughs> All right, news. Uh, the King's Man trailer dropped nah. earlier today. We we're recording nah. on a Monday. This is Matthew Vaughn's return to the franchise uh, in a prequel. And I thought it looked pretty good. I'm I'm pretty impressed with how it's going. My big concern uh, about that trailer going into it was how are they going to do the gadget heavy uh, Kingsman franchise in a, a World War One period setting? And so it was scaled back just enough for me to appreciate that it's that that um, approach is going to hamper or restrict Vaughn in a certain like in a creative way, right? Like he's going to have to get creative in terms of what he can do. Cause it can't be overblown over the top, uh, James Bond gadgetry stuff, which I thought derailed the second one where like mechanical dogs were chasing after Elton John and it got way campy. And so I kind of do want to see him strip it down and get back to the bare, bare bones basics of it. Um, Kevin, I'm going to go to you because you don't, you didn't care for it all that much. You liked it, but you're kind of, you said you were done. You're done with this franchise. Well, it, it dropped and I just, I had no immediacy to go watch. I, 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 first of all, I love Matthew Vaughn. I think Kingsman one is incredible. Kingsman two was kind of a disaster. I mean, there was some really cool action scenes in that film, but overall I just felt that it was just wasn't really a good story. Right. I mean, the opening sequence in the taxi cab is amazing. Some of the action's good. I thought Elton John was a little out of place because it felt like I was watching Elton John. And even though he's playing Elton John, it just kind of stuck out to me. Um, this film, I just, don't understand why we need it. I mean, here's the thing. And here's the thing. You can say that about a lot of things. You can say it about Lion King if you want to. I don't care. Um, but I, I just don't feel the necessary urge to go out and see the Kingsman. I mean, I think that Kingsman 2 had my interest because I loved Kingsman 1. Yeah. I don't know that I care enough about this story to go back and live in it. I don't I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't know. I, I didn't find the trailer to be really that engaging. Some of the action shots were cool. The blow away shot when he goes out of the uh, house into the uh, world war, the setting, whatever it was, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. I don't know. I got, I got a little bit of goosebumps seeing the, the clothing store for the first time when they pulled up to the curb and we stood in front of the, the glass. See, that's interesting. That's the part of the trailer I did not like. Me too. Oh, really? I thought that was cheesy. Yeah. I, thought that was um, cheesy I really dug the first half of the trailer, uh, because I love this idea of going back and finding the origins in war because yeah. Kingsman is such like a clean, pristine organization so that its origins could be from a dirty, grungy, violent, bloody place. I find it to be very interesting. Right. But then the trailer ended up sort of just falling into what seemed like the plot of the first movie, which is a more distinguished man kind of helping out a younger guy. And kind of like, I was like, oh, is that what right. it's going to be? Like the first half, and I also don't know did I really like the first half of the trailer or did I just love the music edited well with the bullets? And, you know, it was it was yeah. a very well-cut trailer. And it's probably not going to be like that in the movie. And I, I responded to that part sure. really well. And then my first thought was, well, that's trailer editing. That's not what it's going to be like in the movie. So I, right. I don't really know how I feel about this movie yet. To your yeah, point that yeah. once we finished um, the last episode of season three of Stranger Things, not to, not to divert season three. I'm making a point here, Gabe, I promise. Uh, we watched the Bob O'Reilly trailer yeah. uh, for the full season. 
such an amazing trailer. Yeah. <laughs> like, a better a, trailer than a season. Oh my God. It's so great how the music lines up with the imagery in that trailer. I thought that was fantastic. Now, what if the shot of them standing in front of the clothing store is the very last shot in the movie? Then what I'll if, be pissed if they put it in the trailer. Really? But yes. you did, but you won't know until you get there. I know, but then it'll annoy me. Mm. What was the movie we saw recently where... Never that's mind. been happening where the last shot's been well, in the trailer. That's what I was getting at. I couldn't remember. I'll pull out The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mark Webb, you know, ends his yeah. trailer with Spider-Man swinging the hubcap at the Rhino, and that ends up being the very last shot. Wait, doesn't movie. Spider-Man Far From Home end on the last trailer shot? When he's the last, fl- it'll, not the last trailer. Oh, the, the, but it, them but swinging. Them yeah, swinging. swinging. Yeah, but there, was, there were TV spots for Shazam that had the post credit scene. There were TV spots that used the the um the Aquaman, the Aquaman joke. Aquaman joke, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I remember Aquaman thinking, joke. like, that's a post credit scene. That's because oh, they, they, saw... they were banking off the Aquaman box office. Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I get it from a business standpoint, but that's, why would you give that away? I saw the commercials for the home video release, and they're giving away the family, the transition of the family. No! I won't even say any more than that, but they, they showed that in the trailer, and I was very disappointed in that. Um, all right, so Kingsman will be out in theaters in February of 2020. Uh, we'll see where Matthew Vaughn takes that franchise from here. This is a project uh, that is <laughs> number one with a bullet uh, for Real Blend uh, family members. Wait a second. Hold on. Now I click the link. While you're looking for that, by the way, I do want to say. Oh, my God. Wait, but I clicked it and it got updated with. I just see a new name. OK, Kevin, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say that I am. I'm still excited about what Matthew Vaughn's going to do. I'm just not as intrigued by this this particular story. So we'll see what happens. Fair enough. OK, so Deadline has a story today that Damien Chazelle has a new script. Oh, I know for, what you're talking. Yeah, I know what you're. I know what you're getting excited about. Wait, what is it? What's the what's uh, the a movie called Babylon? Yep. Right. Uh, they're reporting it is a drama that mixes real and fictional characters. Is solidly in the R-rated category. I don't know what that why that matters. Um, it's set. In, let's see, hold on. I want to see the description. Uh, A project described to me as an original drama that is set in period Hollywood at a shifting moment when the business was turning from silence to the talkies. Uh, Its sources said the film is a bold auteur piece with a significant budget and that other studios are in the mix. Uh, Rumor was that Chazelle had written another musical, but I'm told that is not the case here. When the first reports came out, uh, Emma Stone was circling a role in it. And did you also uh, see that, that that Clint Booth is actually uh, circling around it as well? That is the well. Once I clicked on this headline, I saw his name at the front. Brad Pitt apparently is looking at what? joining Babylon by Damien Chazelle. So that's uh, Chazelle working on an original drama, not a musical, about uh, golden age of Hollywood when the talkies are are uh, arriving and the silent film is disappearing, and he potentially is putting uh, Brad Pitt and Emma Stone. Uh, into the mix so yes Damn. yes 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 please yes <laughs> that would be uh, that would be great thank I just you and as much as listen you guys know first man didn't work for me you guys liked it more than i did but that's that does not mean i'm off the damien chazelle bandwagon because whiplash and la la land were my number ones the, the years that they came out and so i'm gonna put that on the list of movies that we will hype to no end uh until it is <laughs> Until it's officially here. Sean, when will you understand that First Man is his masterpiece? What? No, stop. What? Yeah, no. When, when you, will no, you understand no, that? It, but it is. It actually no. is his masterpiece. I it, love it, that movie. 
It, it was is my, his what, number three last year. It's not. Oh his no, 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 no! It's his masterpiece. You think it's so, better than La La Land and yes, Whiplash? It's his, it's his best movie. No, no, no question. Are you guys gonna rewatch it uh, this weekend? Which one? What? Uh, First Man. It's the uh, oh, this weekend the is the uh, yeah fiftieth anniversary. I will if I'm having trouble falling asleep. You're you're insane, man. You know what? You First know what? man, you, hell. you know what? First man is you so. You know, I tried to like to like bring us all together yeah. for yeah. like an understanding, like it's a milestone right. in history, right? No, you know what? You prevented Almost me from passed. making my first La La Land pun. I was going to do first La La Land, but instead I went with the sleeping. Dude, <laughs> first La La Man. Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. First La La right. Man. Uh, dude, Kevin actually. didn't even like that one. Part of the no, reason I why did. we're recording. On Monday night First is because amazing. tomorrow I'm leaving for San Diego and I will be yeah, in Comic-Con for the rest of the, Comic-Con. the, the week. Um, and Comic-Con is becoming a, it's shifting with every passing year into more of a television festival. But I want to just briefly talk about the three movie projects that will be down there and engage your interests in all of them. Uh, Andy Muschietti is going to be appearing yes. at Scare Diego and bringing more footage of It Chapter 2. Um and we've talked about this, obviously. We're fans of the first movie. We love the A casting. A new trailer should be dropping soon, right? I mean, the movie's like two months from coming out. I would imagine because that first trailer that arrived was really just a long scene. Yeah, uh, so I, I, I actually saw Crawl the other night on Friday, and I uh, that trailer came on, and it's such an amazing trailer. I, I was talking <laughs> my, my wife actually made a great point. She's like, why don't more movies do full scenes like that at the beginning of a trailer. Right. I think it's yeah. a really good Remember um, the movie Black Mass did something similar. It wasn't yes. a great movie, but it was a great trailer. This super tense scene of uh, of Johnny Depp uh, playing, uh, I forget the name of the gangster that he played. Uh, oh, Whitey. Whitey Bulger? Whitey Bulger. Uh, and it was just, it's just just like that, a long scene at a, at a table where he turns on somebody. And it's great. Cool. It's but like I, Kevin said, it's super effective. But like sitting in that theater watching Crawl and that trailer hits and everybody's immediately glued to it. Like you're, you're like, it's like you're in the middle of a movie, right? Like, like that's how good that trailer is. And then watching that in a trail in a theater for the first time, it was my first time seeing that trailer in a theater. Um, <laughs> when she runs, like when she's like, na- the old lady's like naked in the hallway. Like, run- I mean, it is ridiculously scary. It's like, a ridiculously and you know, what's really scary. funny about that. There's nothing, um, horror about it like what's unnerving about someone at the end of a hall all of a sudden moving very quickly out of frame you know well, it's just the stupidest thing well, but it's, it's her, it works isn't it isn't she his daughter it's uh isn't she the clown's daughter the uh, old lady the, cl- the, cl- the clown's been around for a d- yeah. generation wait a so. second in the movie in the trailer she looks up at a picture on the wall and says yeah, you i think you're you're Listening to that too closely. The clown is just in a picture, but the clown yeah. has been around for an eternity. She, yeah. It's not like the clown has a family. Yeah, it's not like the clown is human. Yeah. Well, the, well the cl- say, was the was the clown ever human? We don't know that for sure. I don't think the clown. Do you was know ever that for human. sure, Jake? I mean, in the book, Sean, you've read it too. Like, it's I've it's, not read the book. Uh, it, it's, it's not a thing. It's a force. It's a. It's like an interdimensional being. Yeah. Bill Skarsgård it's, it's, is in a picture not, on her wall. Is yeah, she, yeah, is yeah. You're, th- you're thinking too much about that. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. J- J- You're J- taking J- it too literally. There's no, there's no thinking here. I'm, I'm talking about visually. They show you a yes. photo on the wall that is yes. Bill Skarsgård while yes. the old lady is saying something about a father or something, right? My father Do you remember that? Yeah, 
Yeah, okay, but I think you. I think you're taking it too literally. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not taking it too literally. I'm telling you what the trailer is visually Yeah, no, showing. I saw it. I saw okay, it. That's all I'm saying. I, I haven't read yeah. the book, and I have no, I don't know well, how. Well, also, like, there's, but when when the, the uh, I forget the name of the kid, when the kid's in the library in part one, ben, he sees yeah. Pennywise in the through. book, too. In all the spots in Derry history. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the thing about it, you can, you can do a trailer that's just a long scene for a sequel that people are dialed in for anyway. You know, like, you're not, I don't know if you're necessarily winning new people over. To it chapter two. I think the people who came in the first one are going to come see the second one. You know, yeah. like they're in, they're on board. So, uh, it chapter two is coming. Terminator Dark Fate is bringing footage to uh, San Diego Comic Con. Um, we have discussed on the show that we're all kind of still waiting to be impressed uh, by this, but let me ask this then of you guys. Um, if a trailer or footage package comes out of Comic Con and it looks really great, are you guys on the on the position where you can be swung back over to, oh, all right, okay, Dark Fate, I'm ready to see no. what you're. No, Jake, you're out. No. Uh, uh, I, I just, uh, I don't know. It's because because I, I think I've seen too many great trailers come out of Comic Con that yielded crap movies. Yeah, um, Suicide Squad. Yeah. Oh my God. Perfect example. That trailer's so, a home run. Uh, I, I mean, uh, well, I'd be kind of impressed if if uh, Terminator could turn around. What was, I think, one of the worst trailers to come out in the last year. I yeah. mean, whenever I see that movie pop up in the movie theaters, I think it came on before I went and saw Godzilla. And I remember thinking, like, maybe I could go pee right now. And like, that's how badly I the did not. Song is so bad. It's the song is so bad. The song in that trailer. It's I, so bad. It was on before Crawl as well. That was like, I remember seeing that trailer again. And it's, it's like embarrassingly bad. And here's the thing. I... Terminator 2 is my favorite movie ever made. Ever um, made? Ever. My, favorite, my personal favorite film ever made. That and True Romance, right? So I love the idea of a film deleting all the sequels and becoming the direct sequel yeah. to Terminator 2. Though I will say this, I do love Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. I don't care what anyone it's says. Good. Do you, you? You love it? I love that movie. L-O-V-E. Love that film. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um. I, I mean, like it. I like not, it. It's I've, not, I've 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 seen it. <laughs> it's not Terminator Two or One, no, but I still no. loved it. It was yeah. satisfactory to me. It made me happy as a Terminator fan. Um, In a way that I love Live Free or Die Hard. Right. I do like. Yeah. I like. I love Live Free or Die Hard. I love. But live it's free never going to be the first one. Sure. Yeah, it's a good. It's yeah. a good Die Hard movie. Yes. But um, that being said, I'm very disappointed in, in the new trailer. There are two things that are keeping me on the fence. Tim Miller, who I think is a phenomenal yes. filmmaker. I'm very excited to see what he does. I think his directing and visual effects are very well done. He comes from visual effects background, so I'm excited to see what he okay. does. Okay, let, let me pause you right there. I think we're going to find out how much of the first Deadpool was uh, Reese, uh, Rhett Reese and, Rhett Paul, Reese Warnick. and Paul Warnick. 100%. And, 100%. Ryan, 100%. Rhett and Ryan Reynolds. Yes. 100%. Versus Tim Miller. I think this will like answer that. How much that. credit do you really want to give Tim Miller? Well, we'll see. We'll see. But see, I would argue that Tim Miller did a great job with the budget and the effects on, on Deadpool yeah. 1. It was yeah. a, it was a, whatever that movie cost was like, was like 50 million or, or no, it was less than that, right? Something, something uh, absurdly yeah, cheap. cheap. For a superhero movie, and it looked really good. That opening credit slow motion sequence, the fighting sequences. I mean, Tim Miller, in my opinion, gets credit for what he achieved visually with that film. Um, And the writing goes 
purely to Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese, no question. And obviously Ryan Reynolds. But um, if a new trailer came out for Dark Fate and it was it was good, I, I would I think it would turn my excitement around. Only because I'm a huge okay. Terminator fan. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see what they decide to show. As long as Sarah Connor doesn't say I'll be back. Uh, she's going to. No, please. <laughs> she's going Tim to. Tim Miller, it's, if it's you're already listening. Been reported. Tim, if you're listening to this podcast, I love you, man. <laughs> do not have her say I'll be back. Please do yeah. not. Now, I will allow her to say come with me if you want to live. Oh, no, don't do any of that. I no, will that would be good. That. No, no, no. What? I'll be back is tired. Why do- come with me if you want to live, I'm okay with. Because yeah. that is, see, come with me if you want to live is actually would be a smart callback because it's only said once in Terminator 2 as he comes out of the elevator, she's on the floor, and she says, come with me if you want to live. That, I am perfectly fine with that being a turned around line. I'll be back yep. as tired, man. I'm sorry. I don't want anyone else saying that anymore. Sorry. I can't argue with that. And I would like to hear her say, come with me if you That like would be live. cool, right? Like, I would yeah. not mind that moment. I would be perfectly right. fine with that. Now, if she says, the, hasta la vista, baby, I'm out of the theater. I'm running out. I'm, uh, there's no way I'm having Sarah Connor say, hasta uh, la vista, baby. What if, they pit stop, what if they pit stop at a hotel to rest <laughs> while they're being chased? And as she dives off the diving board, uh, you watch her go underwater and she's holding her thumb up ah. and it, as it goes under. <laughs> Is that allowed? Uh, oh yeah, every all of all of these like really bad jokes are better than everything in the trailer for this movie. Or what if like yeah. they bring back the smile scene and like and, like John and like someone's teaching her how to smile like from Terminator Two and she does like the awkward teeth and everything. Oh man, you do love that scene, don't you? All right, but the big panel uh, that everybody is anticipating from a movie perspective. Uh, is Saturday night when Marvel Studios yeah. returns to Hall H after a, a, a year absence. They did not go last year. They claimed they didn't have a lot to promote. They weren't going to tell anybody about Endgame, obviously. Uh, Captain Marvel had been out already. Oh, wait, no. I forget what the setup was. Anyway, they didn't want to they didn't want to present last year. And now they're coming back and they have a 90 minute panel on Saturday. And we were having a conversation with a colleague who mentioned that it's possible according to him that this is going to be a victory lap of sorts after endgame and you'll see the likes of downey jr uh chris evans hemsworth scarlet you know the original avengers i don't agree with that because i kind of feel like they're done and if you if they don't have to go back to san diego they're not going to go back to san diego so why would they and i think this is more of a look forward which one do you guys think we are going to see on i Saturday? do find it interesting that the timing of comic-con is when endgame is 7.9 million dollars away from beating avatar uh, um right, we're, right. We're, it's literally that close um to a point where i just kind of want to just pass it and so it can get it over with i mean it's so close um, I wonder and, if them bring being brought out at Comic Con brings more attention back to the film again. Does it help? Them? How much more attention could this movie get? I mean, it's been released <laughs> twice I already. I mean, I'm just saying. Like, what, I've done like, 84 interviews with the Rousseaus. I mean, what more do does this movie need? I don't know. That's the thing. It's like I wonder what the thought process would be. What would be the thought process? Like, I mean, Sean mentions the victory lap element of it. I could see that. Um, I can see them getting in front of a crowd for one more time, taking questions from an audience in a, in a you know in a full spoiler territory, right? Because everyone's seen the film at this point. So I don't know. I, I, I feel hope- like it's going to be focused more on the future, and I feel yeah. like bringing back the original people is kind of hanging around the past. I feel like 
now with Spider-Man kind of like ending phase three, I feel like Feige really wants to go, okay, you know what? That was fun, but we've got a lot more in store. Here we go. And it's time. He's been saying along this whole journey, you know, we're not going to talk about phase four until Endgame and Far From Home are officially out, right? Like that's been his party line. So now they're officially out. Week two of Far From Home is, is come and gone. The movie's doing really well at the box office, critically well-received. Will it get to I a think, billion? I don't know. That's a good it's question. At Let me look and see. It's at 850 right now. It's at 850? Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Absolutely uh, get to a billion. Far From Home's at 850 right now. Sp- absolutely. Oh, Spider- my God. Oh, it absolutely will. No question. You think it'll make another, what, another 150? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And it's only been out for like 10 days. Yes, I think so. Dude, there's a repeat value to Far From Home that a lot of people are going back and looking for other clues. Like, they're they're really smart where they just Dude, did that been Mysterio been like thing. like 12 days it's Where been. they showed Jake Gyllenhaal in that new outfit and said yeah. that he's in the background of Venice. I love That's Far incredible. From Home. I'm just wondering, can it make another $150 million? That's a lot of Absolutely. money. Absolutely. Okay, all right, I'm just wondering. I'm just curious what you guys I mean, think. I know competition's going to pick up with That's Lion King, King and yeah. Tarantino and Hobbs and Shaw, but... Uh, I think quietly, Far From Home could stay in theaters. And make Far From Home's at eight forty-seven right now. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Good for. I'm so glad for that movie. That's Me great, too. Because I and, loved and it. It's a and great Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man makes one fifty before Avengers makes eight. Wow. No way. No, Avengers will make eight in the next two weeks. The Disney, only okay. The reason Avengers could make eight in the next is that Disney's going to pair it in like double features with The Lion King. How, what do you mean? How do you they, they like can, in uh, like 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 driving theaters around America? They'll they'll pair it oh. up. Oh, so then who, gets, so who gets the credit? In. Lion King or Avengers Endgame? I'm assuming they split. Split it. Probably That's interesting. Why mm. wouldn't Disney just funnel eight million dollars? <laughs> I was wondering that too. PR Why doesn't someone just go buy go tickets? Buy tickets? Yeah. Yes, go. Bob Iger just needs to walk up to a theater and rent out. Of the theater for a week, and then you'll be fine. You'll be good to go, man. Come on. Then you own the record. uh, Disney's not going to spend money on original ideas. They're not going to spend money on their own movies. Well, all right. So let's say that. You hear uh, that? That's the sound of shots fired. Yes. uh, Right before we bring Kevin Feige on board. Uh, (laughs) Right before I trash Lion King. If we speculate on what's coming in phase four, I want to just briefly run through the titles that we know um, are in some form of pre-production or have been the hell was that something just fell off my desk sorry about that that's uh, the that's the the names that we often drop <laughs> during an episode that, but we haven't been doing them titles that have been uh revealed by by uh marvel so black widow i think black widow is the may 2020 release they've already started filming it um yeah jake <laughs> jake's not enthused by the I mean, black I mean, widow movie oh i'm sorry like does anyone really care about that character well especially after she died like now she's dead and they're gonna bring her back for a prequel so what that's are this, what are the stakes like what what more needs to be said about that character i don't know i guess we'll find out uh but then after that everything's a mystery there's a november 2020 release date and my theory right now is that it was going to be a new property uh, there's two that are being bandied around in terms of casting. One is called the Eternals, which is a sort of space-based celestial uh, sci-fi property. And the other one being Shang-Chi, uh, the martial arts Marvel Cinematic Universe one. You're hearing a lot about casting for both of those movies. But I almost think that because Disney is stepping back and looking at its slate for 2020 and realizing they don't have a big-time Marvel uh, Avengers movie, they don't have a Star Wars movie, they don't have an Avatar movie ready to go yet because James Cameron won't stop tinkering in his damn lab wherever he's holed up, uh, that they are maybe trying to move Guardians 3 or Black Panther 2 or something else into that 
November slate. They can't move Guardians because uh, he's got to shoot Suicide Suicide Squad Squad first. Suicide Squad. By the way, by the way, Disney wants a bigger movie. James Cameron, if you're listening to our podcast, um, do me a favor and please. After we just trash Terminator. No, no, no. Just stop making the Avatar films. And, 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 also, and, could you stop making Avatar or like start no. like stop doing Terminator while you're at it? No, stop making Avatar films <laughs> and please get the 4K restorations out for Abyss <laughs> and True Lies as soon as you possibly can because that's all we really want from you, man. I'm sorry, I don't want another. Oh, Avatar also come on the movie. podcast. I listen. You know I, James Cameron is the reason why I do what I do today. Terminator Two changed my life. He has made. Classics, T1, T2, Avatar, Avatar, <laughs> Abyss, um, <laughs> Titanic, True Lies. I mean, Avatar was fine, but dude, I just I want more of your aliens. Come on, give me more of your sci-fi. That, 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 that type of movie is what I want from him. But, but the, I, the good news is he has a to-do list of five things. And number five on that is the 4K restorations of those movies that you love. But one through four is Avatar <laughs> two, three, Yikes. four, and five. Yikes. And well, they're only going to take 10 years each. I'm not trying to be a negative person, but I really, really need True Lies on Blu-ray as fast as possible. I cannot believe that. <laughs> also, isn't today the 25th anniversary yes, of True Lies? Yes, it, it, it reminded Happy me anniversary, how Kevin. angry I am that that movie's not on Blu-ray. I want to watch Arnold say you're fired and blow that guy away on the missile in 4K. I want to see that. Ha- I want to. I want to see him and Bill Paxton driving down the street together and him punch Bill Paxton in the face and then wake back up. I want to see all that go down again. It's amazing. I hear you. All right. Well, listen, uh, we will be in San Diego or I will be in San Diego Comic-Con reporting back from everything that's happening. Do you there. have any big interviews lined up? Um, who are we getting? Uh, no, the question get, is who did Gabe approve? That's the big, that's, get, the, that's the question. Getting the director of it. Chapter two, Andy Muschietti. Uh, we're getting, uh, Asher Angel, who's coming by to talk about Shazam. Ooh. We're getting Marcus McFeely, who wrote, uh, Infinity War and Endgame. Going to the panel for, uh, the Russo brothers. We are going to be on a red carpet for Terminator, um, for their, uh, presentation right after their presentation. Uh, then we'll be at the Marvel panel and then Marvel is doing a press line afterwards also with whatever talent they bring Ooh, through. So that's that'll be... That will be intriguing. And um, the only man currently who knows uh, everything that's going to be presented at the Hall H panel on Saturday is Marvel president Kevin Feige, who was nice enough to sit down for an interview during the Spider-Man Far From Home junket in London, uh, which we have been teasing you guys and teasing you guys for weeks upon weeks. But Gabe finally signed off on it and we are able to now present... The Real Blend conversation with Marvel President Kevin Feige, so enjoy it. I have to say... Nice shirt. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's cool. I bought this shirt here in Forbidden Planet. Oh, really? Because I was on store. my way over to the terminal in Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, someone else took my suitcase off the bus. No. <laughs> You're kidding. No. I had um, four of my favorite Spider-Man t-shirts um, ready to go. And the whole bag was taken, and I didn't notice till we got to the terminal. Oh. And by then, I just got on a plane to London and came with what. At least I was you had your stuff with you, I, your exactly. equipment with you. I had you. a backpack yep. that they didn't take because <clears throat> it was just two black bags that they oh. mistake, mistake terrible they grabbed. So you made a beeline to Forbidden Planet, right? To grab <laughs> nice. this. So nice. So I have it for today. He's my favorite character of all time. Oh, great! And Tom is my favorite interpretation awesome. of the character. So, and I just want to—I need to say thank you for all of this because as a Marvel. 
kid growing up, you know, it's, it, to me, it's truly impossible <laughs> what you guys have <laughs> oh, achieved. And people would ask all the time what your favorite MCU, oh, a favorite movie of all time was. They ask film critics that all the time. And McTiernan's Die Hard was my answer. That's a good answer. Constantly, yeah. right? And Endgame replaced it. Wow. Like, I just, it floored me. It floored wow. me. So thank you. Thank right. you for all your attention to detail. Um, the MCU can go in so many directions from here, uh, obviously. Cosmic, uh, magic, the unknown of Wakanda. What do you guys hope that the Spider-Man movies continue to represent um, as the MCU continues to grow and evolve? Well, you know, so much of Far From Home is about is about taking him far from home, not just to Europe, but, uh, you know, tapping into, as Nick Fury says, you've been to space. He's been to places Peter Parker in the movies had never been to before over his five appearances now in the MCU. And yet in the spoiler territory of the end of the movie, we return him back to New York and we return to the fun of how awesome it is to see Spider-Man swinging around New York. We return to a new classic version of uh, Jameson that we haven't seen in many films, and yet in a totally different new context. And at the same time, charting new ground for him with his identity is out there, which Uh, has never been done before. No, it hasn't. In in the movies. And it mirrors Tony's reveal, obviously. Yes, but one was... One was his choice. One was against his will. Yeah, right. That's very the much difference. So. That was the difference. So, so in terms of your question about going forward, it's fun. It'll be fun to see Spidey back in his element, out of the shadow of Tony, out of the shadow of the other Avengers, as his own man now, as his own hero, and yet now facing his own challenges that aren't coming from. Avengers fighting like Civil War or aliens coming like Infinity War and Endgame. Sure. It's all Peter-focused and Peter-based. Right. And villains that have a grudge with Tony. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, which is now that grudge clearly has been passed to Peter right. by the end of the movie. Yeah, very much so. Um, the plan at the time when we went to the homecoming set and all throughout it was to give him one per year uh, for his high school. Still the plan or will he get like a senior year? Movie or I mean, you know, we'll see what exa- what exactly happens, but we like that model. We right. like the notion of doing that. <clears throat> His junior year, which we see in this movie, we see the tail end of yeah. and and folks on that summer adventure, which was an early idea uh, as we were thinking about it. So I don't really know, but makes sense. The blip affords you, you know, the ability to exactly to play with how <laughs> ages are necessarily people mm-hmm. on screen. That was very funny. So you were with us on the set. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. You revealed a lot without revealing anything. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that's the that's job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Because you mentioned Brad, and you were like, he's going to have a love interest, and it's Brad, and he's kind of she's he's with MJ a lot, and and then when they reveal <laughs> what Brad is, I was like, that's really funny. <laughs> that's really good. I knew Brad was in it, but not quite the way. Um, you name dropped the multiverse, and it's misdirection to a certain extent, but now it's there. You know, now it's an idea. And it has this terms of, like, Earth 616, and, mm-hmm. and things are going to be really important to people. You know, how far off are we before the multiverse is something people have to grapple with? Well, the Ancient One mentions the multiverse in Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. When she's taking him on that on that mind trip where she touches his head and she goes, she discusses the multiverse mm-hmm. and the various planes uh, in dimensions and realms there. So we've mentioned it before. We've established it before um, and certainly have plans to explore it more. Okay. Uh, Mysterio just happens to be full of it <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. this version. He's really leaning into it. Mysterio, yeah. I'm glad you brought him up because um, 
He's a villain that almost feels like you couldn't have done him properly until effects caught up to what he can do convincingly now. Mm-hmm. That it might have been kitschy, you know, mm-hmm. if you tried to do his effects that way. Um, is Did any of that lend to why you chose him for now? Because with the drones and the way that he's able to do his illusions, yes. it's far more credible. It was, yes. it was far more believable. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it really was the fact that we hadn't seen him in a movie before and we thought that he could provide a unique challenge to Peter coming off of the events of, of Endgame. I guess we take it for granted now, almost for the entirety of, of Marvel Studios, certainly, that the amazing visual effects teams can do anything, right. can pull off anything. Thanos threw a moon at Iron Man, <laughs> right? We, we can do almost anything now. So it comes down to how you do it and how you make it believable. And Yannick Sears, our, our amazing VFX supervisor on this movie, um, has such an eye for detail and such an eye for, uh, for making things seem authentic and be, is very rigorous with us, even in the script stages, yeah. about, uh, about how, helping us make it seem as real as possible, even though what Mysterio does, shoots beams from his hands, has the cool smoke that he's got in the comics, mm. um, seemingly uh, is very supernatural. As you've seen in the movie, the twist of how he pulls it off. And what he says, too, really struck a chord of people aren't listening to what you have to say, you know, unless you have a cape, unless you have... You're the first person to mention that. I'm very glad you did because that was very important to us. Really? Yeah. Can you explain why? Well, because because it seemed like a... uh, It seemed like a fun commentary on the world, not just in terms of the dominance of superhero films but in terms of the way the media works. Mm. So when he's saying a cape and lasers, yes, he's talking about, he's talking about the MCU and, and superheroes, but it's also if you're the loudest, the flashiest, the craziest haircut, the craziest yeah. outfit, you get the most media attention. Right. Uh, not if you have the best ideas or if you have the best uh, um, uh, thoughts for, for how something should be done. And then I make a connection to what John said earlier about it's the media that eventually outs Peter. You know? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's a really interesting twist. Earlier in the movie, he talks about uh, he talks about uh, Night Monkey uh, to uh, to MJ, <laughs> yeah. and she he, she says it was on the he goes well Night Monkey said it was Night Monkey. The news doesn't lie. Yeah, <laughs> that got a good laugh in the theater yes, for yes. sure. Um, Jake uh, is you know the, a new face. Uh, obviously, you bring back the homecoming cast, and, and Sam comes on over for multiple projects. But was he somebody you had targeted? Uh, before, um, yes. Somebody wanted to bring in. No, we wanted to work with them for years and years, and uh, and uh, it often takes time to find the right uh, scheduling, to find the right timing, most importantly, to find the right project. Okay. And this was the right project, and it seemed, and it seemed, uh, he's such an amazing actor who can be charismatic and charming, but he can also be scary. Mm. So we talked about the. You know, having the very dashing, uh, romanticized Jake Gyllenhaal and then having the Nightcrawler, not the X-Men character, the movie that he did, Nightcrawler, kind of slightly off, scary version. And what was so fun, we talked to Jake, he was like, you get to do both. (laughs) In this movie, you do both. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And he he crushed it. And he looks like a darker version of Tony Stark when he puts the glasses on. So good. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That, that that, That between his performance, his, his entire look, and that amazing costume, which our which Ryan Minerding in our visual development department designed, and our amazing costume team built, 
uh, that it just looks heroic. So even if you're a big Spider-Man fan and know the story of Mysterio, there's a point in the movie where you're like, well, I guess they do things differently. I guess they're <laughs> telling a different version yeah. of the story yeah. because he looks really cool and I like their bonding. And then, of course... The moment when when the madness of Mysterio sequence, essentially where he's fully immersed yes. Peter in, and it's just, it's Steve Ditko brought to life, yes, right? Yes, exactly. It is so well done, you know, <clears throat> and I just love, and that's what, kind of what I was saying, like, you can't effectively do Mysterio until you have the ability to do right. that, right? right. And because every time I took it out of it and you saw where Peter really was, you know, he punches behind him and he ends up punching a pillar. And exactly. Like, I'm, I'm as immersed in this effect yes. oh, as good. Peter is yeah. in that moment. So, yeah. That blew me away. Um, you obviously adore the Golden Age Spidey villains. Mm-hmm. We've had Vulture now. Hey, you're raising the bar in terms of actors who can play villains in this franchise. I don't know where you, you bet. I get you to get Pacino to come on over or something <laughs> like that. Um, but, you know, selfishly, I'm wondering when are we going to get to a time where we can do Doc Ock and we can do Norman again? Is that Are they still so far off the table because they've been used before or... I mean, not necessarily. It just depends on, is it the right story? Is it the right time? Is there the right angle Mm. to to do it, to do it again? In a way that feels fresh and doesn't feel like, oh, here it is again. Okay. Um, Because Spidey, as you know better than anyone, has a great roster of villains. Sure. Great number of them, and and Mysterio and Vulture being being two of the best that hadn't been brought to the screen before mm. um, so uh, I think it all depends on what the story is okay. it all depends on what the what the angle is if it's the most exciting idea to us that's yeah. that's the one we're going to chase down whether it's a new character or one we've seen before yeah. what about the concept of Venom um, he's existing in his own side now fans really want to see them combine mm-hmm. um, is that realistic at all I think probably is. It's up to Sony. Okay. Sony, uh, you know, has both those characters and, and has Venom in their in their world. I don't know what their plans are for another Venom or for doing that. Okay. But seems seems likely at some point. Do you think the concept of an Avengers <clears throat> film is going to go on the shelf for a little while in favor of team-up movies and solo sequels? Um, I, guess, I guess I'd put that in the category of future stuff that we're waiting until... Endgame now is out and waiting until this movie comes out before we start talking about what comes next. Okay, um, but uh, but uh, there are a lot of other stories and characters that we want to explore. Can we expect a triumphant Hall H panel return? Uh, I don't know that we've officially announced either way. Um, we usually only go to Hall H when we have uh, a lot of stuff to talk about or reveal. Mm-hmm. Seems like we have a lot of stuff to talk about and reveal. Okay. But we'll, we'll see what we what we officially announce one way or the other. There's also D23 later this summer. Yeah. Um, and we've always gone to D23. Okay. Sounds good. Um, I put out to reader questions. Almost everybody came back with X-Men questions. Mm-hmm. I know obviously there are no details and there's a lot of stuff in play. But have you at least started <laughs> thinking about how the mutants and mutant genes can be introduced into the MCU? Yes. And the other secret is we never stop thinking about it, right? We're always thinking about things. We're always sitting in rooms coming up with cool stories uh, about anything. Um, so we had been thinking about it for, for years. The fact that they're back now, the fact that they're in our, uh, you know, back home where they belong and that now Marvel has what DC has, what Harry Potter has, what Star Wars has, which is access to all of their characters. Right, right. You sort of take for granted that it's unusual for a company not to have access to all their characters. 
Um, and the fact now that, that we have almost all of them back is, uh, is pretty nice. That's awesome. It's pretty amazing. Great. I will let you guys get yeah. out of here on that one. Thank, Thank you. you so much, man. I really appreciate the time. All right. I want to point out how important that moment was um, for me personally. Uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, getting Tarantino on the podcast. And believe me, it melts my brain that uh, Quentin was a guest on the show and that next week we will be able to present audio, actual audio. Uh, you can go on Cinema Blend now. We ran a Star Trek answer that Quentin gave us. It's a tease for next week's show. And I'm telling you guys, when we heard the clip of uh, Quentin answering a question that we lobbed at him, it's just my stomach dropped and I got goosebumps. <laughs> and it's like, that's Quentin answering a question that we gave him. However, I can't believe I, it's I, real. I'm also going to say that for me personally, uh, Feige marginally trumps Quentin. Uh, and, and this is how I know this is the case. Whoa, I've got whoa, my picture whoa, whoa, with Feige. Whoa, 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 Hold on, wait. What I'm saying, I've got my picture with Feige pinned to, to the top of my uh, Twitter page, and I was going to replace it with um, the Quentin photo, right? Because I was like, this is how, who's going to get this picture? Like, it's incredible, right? And I saw Feige looking back at me, and I thought, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's the MCU. It's Marvel. It's everything that I, that I grew up in. It's my childhood realized on the big screen and this man is the architect of it and uh these guys will tell you they were with me in london um it was cool to see you after that i don't get nervous but that one i just need not that not that i was nervous to do it but i needed it to go well you know like you're never nervous you're never really nervous going into these rooms but sometimes you overthink it of just like oh could this go wrong like what what if what if the questions don't work what if it doesn't happen? You know, what if it, what if we don't connect? And also, right? isn't there sometimes and, and I know that that, you know, we've all experienced it without going full fanboy or like geeking out to an obnoxious degree. You want someone like that, whether it's Kevin Feige for you or Tarantino for for Kevin or Tom Hanks for myself. You want them to know how much of an impact they've had on your life and you want them to recognize that. Yes. And appreciate that. Yes. And there's and that's a cool moment. If you can make that happen without crossing that that very thin line into stalker fanboy territory. Well, and I'll tell you, I'll tell everybody listening here. The one thing I kept saying to Jake when he asked me, he kept asking me like how it went. And I was trying to recollect how how it went and how I thought it went was that those couple of questions that I asked at the start of the interview, I think signified my fandom to him. So that there were times, and if you go back and listen through the interview, there are times when he said things like, um, well, you know, real fans of Spider-Man or the comic book fans. And then he'd say, like, I don't have to tell you that, but they know this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like that. Just hearing over, that yeah. was over. like chills over my body of like Feige recognizes, <laughs> See, <laughs> recognizes I, how much I do. I understand this. that excitement because. And, I, and I'm just joking around with you about saying you can't put Feige ahead oh, yeah. of Tarantino. But of because I understand, like, because Feige has realized your childhood. Tarantino is literally who I grew up watching from like age 12 or 13 to now. He's, I mean, I, my whole house is Tarantino'd. Um, I mean, you guys all saw that memorabilia I had on the table for him. I mean, that, so to, to match what Sean's talking about, I totally get that. Like after the Tarantino interview, I called Lauren. I was like, it's practically in tears. Like I couldn't even speak. Yeah. I was, I was in shock. Um, so I understand the, um, 
the feeling of what that felt like to walk to have that room and to walk out of that room. So I get that. It was very cool. Yeah. cool. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed the Feige interview. Go see Spider-Man Far From Home. And then, of course, come on back to Cinema Blend on Saturday night and Sunday as we plan to have plenty of wrap up coverage from uh, what we hope is a a lot of news coming out of the Marvel panel. So, OK, this are you guys going to be continuously posting stuff while you're there? Uh, we'll tweet stuff. Uh, yeah. And especially um, for every movie panel, we'll either have reaction videos to footage that we saw. Ooh, yeah. We'll break down things, specific things I saw. But if Marvel lays out their full phase four slate like they did this before phase three, um, Marvel basically just decided one day they were going to do a press day. At the El Capitan, which coincidentally is where we saw Lion King, which we're about to talk about next. And I swear to you, on a Monday, uh, Disney called me and said, can one of you guys be at El Capitan tomorrow at 2 p.m.? And I was like, um, yeah, I mean, I think so. Sure. Why? What's going on? They're like, you you want to be there. They didn't even tell, tell us what it is, but they were just like, trust me, you want to be there. So we sent Eric. Eric Eisenberg went. And it was Feige. He just came out onto the stage and mapped out phase three. Like he was just like, wow. hey, uh, we've got a lot of exciting things planned. We decided now is the time to share it. And it was really fascinating to see them do it because they were essentially throwing down the gauntlet and saying, we don't need Comic-Con. We don't need D23. When we decide to tell you what our slate is going to be, you're all going to pay attention to it. But yeah. now could you argue that they do need Comic-Con because phase four is not going to be as exciting as phase three was like, they're kind of taking a step back and they have to re they introduce a lot, a lot of characters and they have to make us care about all of this again. So now ironically, they do need Comic-Con. They probably do. They'll benefit from the boost. That's for sure. But uh, once we know what the titles are, I think we'll have a better sense of uh, what's coming and how excited everybody can get for it. Speaking about what's coming and how excited we all can get for it. We saw the Lion King. And here's where The Lion King suffers slightly um, for some of us. We saw it the night after we saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I just, you shouldn't be the movie that follows the, the new Quentin Tarantino film, especially when the new Quentin Tarantino film works as well as it does. Um, and we can't go much further on that beyond reactions uh, and reviews until a little bit later on. But I want Kevin to go first because he liked The Lion King, the new version by uh, director John Favreau more than Jake and I did. And so I want him to have the opportunity to explain to us why he liked it so much and why it connected with him. Did you guys hear about John Favreau's favorite Lucy <laughs> Boynton film? <laughs> uh, I only know her from Bohemian Rhapsody. So the, li the, the Lion King Street? <laughs> Sing Street, get it? Uh, yeah. She is all in right. that too. That's right. right. That's pretty good. Anyways, <laughs> That's pretty good. they're in all the model, right? Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, I thought this movie was incredible. Um, I, Jake and I and Sean saw it together. Uh, I went in with very, and Gabe, with very low. I can't even Gabe was there. That's my favorite moment I, ever. I did, sit, I did sit next to Gabe and I laughed a lot about farting. Oh, you were sitting next to him? And you forgot? No, I didn't forget. But Gabe doesn't talk on the show, so I can't include him in the conversation. <laughs> um... There were a lot of funny moments where, like, there was like a, there's some farting humor in the movie. I just looked over at Jake and Sean and just started cracking. Oh my up gosh, the whole time. Kevin was so happy. He was so happy at the farting. And then, I, and then I had a very professional conversation with Seth Rogen about farting at the junket, which was very happy. It made me very happy. <laughs> um, no, I, um, I, I went into this film with 
guess middle of the road expectations, I was, I didn't love Aladdin, the live action remake. I thought it was okay. Um, I But I loved John Favreau's Jungle Book live action remake, which I thought was phenomenally well done. Uh, so going into this, I, I went in with a lot of reservations. One, why is this being remade? Two, um, you know, the original is so great. Why do I need this version? Um, and three, I was just a little concerned about all these live action remakes, Little Mermaid, Mulan. I mean, I, there's so many. I'm interested in them because of the updated technology. But the moment Lion King started, there's an adjustment period that it takes a second to kind of adjust to the effects because they're so realistic. Um, so photo real that it's 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 almost like a strange it's like you're, it's like if you took your glasses off and you can't really see and then you put your glasses on and your vision comes into sight. That's kind of how the beginning couple minutes were for me, but just because it is so gorgeous to look at. Um, you know, I think Lion, the Lion King, Favreau's Lion King is it's an incredible cinematic achievement from a visual standpoint. Um, I think that the voice performances, there are some I absolutely loved and some of them I thought could have been done by somebody else. Um, but I would, I want to point out specifically Timon and Pumbaa, Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner, who just crush it. They're amazing in the movie. Uh, a lot of their material is brand new and it's very funny. And They're well so done. funny from the minute they come on. Billy, I really I, thought they were really funny. Billy Eichner's performance is brilliant. I mean, it's more, it's phenomenal. Um, that being said, uh, I, I also thought Donald Glover was great. I thought that Shahida Wright, uh, Shahadi Wright Joseph was great as young Nala. Um, I thought that uh, Alfred Woodard was great as uh, Mufasa. Uh, Mufasa's, what would you even say? Mufasa's wife? Wife. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, and then, Chiwetel Ejiofor is the one I really want to point out. Um, I Jeremy Irons is an almost an impossible voice to follow. Uh, it is it's iconic. Scar is iconic, um, and I was immediately taken in by Chiwetel's performance. I thought his voice performance didn't sound anything like Chiwetel Ejiofor. I think if it had been someone um, that had a very more familiar voice that I recognized, I would have been taken out of it. But Chiwetel found a way. Around like his Chudel as is British, he sounds very specific when you talk to him, right? And it didn't sound anything like him. I thought it was amazing what he did with Scar. Um, and visually, it's just mind blowing the effects and the water effects. And I was like focusing a lot on the little things, like the splashes. What blew my mind visually was the breathing. Um, and I spent a lot of time looking at the breathing of the animals. Um, there was uh, there were moments where I would just watch their chests go up and down it was i mean the the detail of the footprints the stepping in the water the running the songs um it just it was an incredible cinematic experience that for a second took me a while to get into it and then once it did it fully grabbed me and i was i was i was in again i was all in again on the story um so much so that this is not a spoiler we all know what happens to mufasa in the original film Favreau immersed me so much that I was kind of hopeful that might change. And I thought that was really well done on, th on their part, kind of how they animated or digitally did that experience. Um, everything in this film is fully CGI, except for one live action shot, which John Favreau says he won't tell who what it is. Uh, and all of James Earl Jones's lines are brand new, except for one yell. 
um, which they pulled from the original dialogue. So I was super impressed at the overall experience of this. Also, Favreau had them all together a lot of the time, like a theater rehearsal, getting these these scenes down. And to me, that's what made it work. On the negative side, I think Beyonce's voice performance besides your singing performance, wasn't great. Um, I think oh, that... Kevin, the Beyonce army's coming for you, man. That's you fine. watch out. Listen, I think, <laughs> Be- I think Beyonce's singing is incredible. Her dialogue delivery, I did not buy into, personally. Um, I thought that Donald Glover was amazing. I mean, overall, I loved the film. I loved it. I thought it was incredibly well done, and I have only very minimal things I didn't love about it. If you're gonna put it, uh, if you're gonna say to me, Kevin, what's the better version? I mean, I'm gonna go with the original animated version from the '90s because it's just so special to me. But I'm very happy that this movie exists, and I'm very happy to see these photo realized, photo realistic CGI characters that just brought a, a different side into me, a deeper side of humanity to the characters, in my opinion. I'm going to agree with everything that Kevin said for the most part, because he's right. Like it, it looks amazing. Uh, visually it improves, you know, on, on, uh, for, and shows off what they can do from this perspective. Um, and the, a lot of the vocal performances like Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner, I think are really, really funny. Uh, they bring a different shade to Timon and Pumbaa yeah. uh, that I really appreciated. Um, I've just, I recognized two things while I was sort of watching this. Um, I didn't realize how much I knew more about the Broadway show than I did the original And I've never seen the version. Broadway show, so. There were songs from the Broadway show that are waiting to show up in the movie and they don't. And then I kind of turned to Jake at the end and I was like, where was that song? And he was like, that's not in the original movie. And right. I, I just. They all kind of blended together for me. Lion King does not have that many songs in right, it. Right, right. But the right. iconic most- ones are Hakuna Matata, Can You Feel the Love yeah. Tonight, The Lion Sleeps Tonight. I mean... I'd argue all of them are iconic. They are. I mean, they're... Is wait, The look. Lion Sleeps Tonight in the movie? That's in the original movie? Very briefly. Not yeah. as long as it is in this remake. It's great okay. in the remake, though. And I... Uh, I like that version. I like that version. By the way, um, at the beginning of this Lion King, who was singing Circle of Life? It wasn't Elton John. Know. No. Well, it's not Elton John in the other Wait, one either. Elton John wrote Circle of Life, correct? I'm, I know he wrote he, he wrote Can You Feel the Love Tonight. He didn't write um, Circle of Life? I don't know that he didn't, but I'm not entirely sure he okay. did. Okay. I'm not sure. My knock on Lion King and my knock on, on most of these live action remakes, and Jake, I think you might be in this ballpark too. Um, I just don't enjoy sitting in a, in a, in a movie theater and knowing what scene is going to come next um, all the way through. And it's it's a fault of the idea of a live action remake of, of any remake yeah. that I'm just I'm always going to hold it against the movie. But the thing is a remake. John Carpenter's The Thing is a remake. And we all praise and love that film. But, it's but not I don't know the original. And what I don't mean, know the original remake, though. Well. It's like, like I, I think I, I think people are holding this remake to a higher standard because it's so much of a big part of our lives growing up that I think they go, oh, you can't remake The Lion King. You cannot well, touch I, that to, movie. To refute your argument, if that's the case, then, then it shouldn't be remade. The reason the thing could be remade by John Carpenter is because not that many people grew up with the original or have that much of a heartfelt connection to the original. That's the kind of movie you remake, not the freaking Lion King. See, or, I disagree with that. This. I disagree with that. Well, I'll, I'll just say this. I'll say this like Aladdin is an example. The change of Will Smith as a genie was drastic enough that every time he showed up, 
the genie scenes felt fresh and new because I was waiting to see what he did with it. So that kept me more engaged. Whereas I thought the Lion King remake was faithful to the original to a, to a fault, you know, like I knew exactly what was going to play out as it played out and it played out. Well, that's why my tweet right after it finished was, yep, that was, that was a line. We all love Ocean's 11. That's a remake. We all love the departed, but we have no connection. We all love no connection. That's a remake. But we have no connection. You're naming films. No, 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 not to the original. We have no connection because you weren't alive when the original came out. The point I'm making is we were all alive when the first Lion King came out. So we feel personally affected I wasn't, by I wasn't alive remake. when Jaws came out, but no, I would be Jaws pissed if they remake. remade Jaws. Jaws the is Soderberg, Soderberg, saying, but if they the remade Soderberg Jaws, Ocean's Eleven is, is nothing like the Frank remake, Sinatra though. one. It's still a but remake. But it's totally different. It's still a re- So is Scarface. They're, these are all remakes. And that, and the and the, the Oliver Stone, uh, who directed Scarface? Brian De Palma. Um, Brian, Brian De, Palma. De Palma. The De Palma version's nothing like the original. Let Me In, a great remake of a Swedish film. And it was pretty the much the same better. movie. Mm-hmm. The original's better. Original yeah. is better, but the and still I, and I let, argue me let Me In doesn't need to exist. Let Me In was amazing. I love Let Me In. Anyway, Jake, how do you feel about Lion King? I hated Lion King. Uh, and with every day that passes, I hated, hated it more it. and more. Um, I hated it. That's such a I hate term. the photorealistic visuals. Mm-hmm. I thought at first, I was like, oh, that's pretty spectacular. But the more and more that time passed for the movie, it just felt cold and emotionless. I mean... Because they're working so hard to make it look realistic, the animals don't really get to emote. I mean, in in the original film, they're very expressive. And in the musical numbers, they're dancing around and they're bebopping. In this one, they're kind of just walking while they sing. And they barely register any hint of emotion. And it kind of starts to look like a National Geographic special that's narrated by celebrities. It's like the first movie was beautiful and bright. It had all these colorfuls of animation. And this one is like, here's 84 different shades of tan. And and I love, <laughs> I mean, realism can be pretty fantastic, but it doesn't make animation better. They have exchanged realism for personality. They've exchanged realism for soul. And, and there's just nothing empty. The Lion King in 94 was Shakespeare, and this is Cliff Notes. It's the same story, but the heart is not there. I did not think that the vocal performances were good. To me, because the animals had no emotions on their faces, it was like, look, that lion sounds like Beyonce. That lion sounds like Donald Glover. Even James Earl Jones sounded like he was bored of saying these lines for the hundredth time. Um, And look, I'm not trying to be this guy who grew up with the original and I'm shaking my fist at the sky uh, you know, like annoyed that they did something in my childhood. Uh, you know, if there had been, you know, to me, uh, Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen are a perfect example of a reason something needs to exist. It's because they did something different with the characters. They got new lines. It felt fresh. It felt different. If the entire movie had felt like that, then I would be a little bit kinder to it. But they're the only part that I felt was different. Uh, and look, I mean, keep in mind, these these stories have been told before. Aladdin is a thousand years old. Mulan is a true story. Lion King is Hamlet. They've been told before. They're going to be told again. So I'm not mad that it's being told again because it's going to happen over and over again. But at the end of the day, if if everyone universally agrees, which I feel like they're going to, 
that they would just rather watch the 94 version over this one, then why does this movie need to exist? See, let me and ask- I can't find any other reason other than money. Jake, it exists what- to make money. Oh my God. Okay, so, all right, so that means that every remake that was ever done because of money should not be seen. So it's true grit. No, it's because grit. other... True- Jake, what do you think no, of true but there grit? Are, but there are other... They tried to do something different. They didn't do anything Jake, different with this what movie, what did you Kevin. think of true grit? I loved I, the new I loved it, and it's different. Why? Why did we need it? See, the thing is, like, because like, it's different. You, because they gave us something different, no, that's, Kevin. See, that's you're, a ignoring my, you're ignoring my. You're ignoring my whole there argument. Thirty minutes of on one thing. Lying, Keith, it's and thirty it's minutes. Shit. Oh, it's no, no. That that that. See, to me, no, that's also what, what? What is what? Just because it's thirty minutes longer doesn't mean there's thirty minutes of new footage. No, I didn't say that. I said there's, that there's something completely different. Your argument is why is it thirty minutes longer? Why exactly? Because I mean, what what in that movie? What did they justify the 30, exactly, exactly. Jake's argument is why do we need a remake? You could say that. Yeah, about but you're every looking every okay, single movie. My argument is made. why do we need a remake if it's going to be basically the exact same movie but soulless? And then you're naming all of these other remakes that are inherently different no. than their source material. No. What about Peter Jackson's said, King Kong. Great, I love Peter Jackson's King Kong. I'd, I'd argue that that movie to? doesn't need to exist either. Am I not allowed to like that movie like because you, it shouldn't you, exist? Come on! I didn't say you do. I'm not saying you're not allowed to like anything either. But like, if if a director comes up and says, "Look, I was inspired by that movie. I want to try to do something different with it," then I would at least, whether or not I like it or not, at least respect it. John Favreau did nothing other than say, "I'm going to make the lines look real." What about Three Ten to Yuma, Jake? What do you think of Three Ten to Yuma? You keep naming movies that are like you're you're, you're not listening to my <laughs> argument. You remakes. keep naming movies, but they are different than the source. Tell me, focus, listen how to my words. different? Listen to my words. The Three Ten to Yuma are, movie really, is different. Have you than seen the original, original Three Ten to Yuma? Takes place in one room, Kevin. Right. It basically takes place in one room. That's fine. The new. To movie is different and okay. he added more and he added okay. characters you, you're not listening to my argument you're not listening to what I'm telling you I am listening it's, to what you're saying there's a difference there's a difference to a director taking a source material and, and making it his own versus John Favreau going I'm going to make the same movie and I'm going to charge you for it okay I disagree I, with that I, I'm fine. with Jake in this 100% that's fine I, I'm okay I, but yeah. I, I disagree you keep, you keep like, I, like giving examples that prove my points I'm not against the concept of a remake, but all the good ones, all the good ones take old, old premises and refresh them. Jake, what did you think of the movie A Star is Born? Uh, The fourth remake of that movie, the same exact story, and the guy dies at the end. Jake, you cannot, A Star is Born is the exact same movie. It's not shot for shot. It's not the same line. A Star is Born is the exact same movie. And I love A Star is Born, but your argument is flawed in my opinion. It's not. all, All you're doing is doubling down on no. my argument. No, I'm not. All you're you doing said is, a star. You, you said, you, why did a star is born to be remade? It is different. Tell it me is why. There's definitely no, no uh, scene in the previous Star is Borns where she sings La Vie and Rose in a drag bar. And okay. there is not a scene where she becomes a pop star on Saturday Night Live. Is there They're a scene different. in They're the original different. Lion King yes. where where they where Akuna Matata, or not Akuna Matata, but the actual dialogue between Puma and Tim, Timon happened the way it exactly did in the 2000 uh, If you have to dig deep enough to go to the exact no. wording between two characters, your argument is shallow. No. Right? Give me a star rating. Give me a star argument is shallow because you're saying that a movie does not no, because all you're doing is naming remakes that prove my point no i'm not there are stars there are the exact same movie there are, t- there are a lot that, of remakes that's that ridiculous a star is born is the exact same movie made no, four times not. in a row and i okay, love a star dude, is okay. born. i love a star dude, is you born. realize that like you're, he dies in different ways in all oh, the movies no, like it's, it's, they it's, meet different ways 
come on. That's, that's such a ridiculous argument that the movie dude, can't no. be good if it, if it doesn't necessarily have to be remade. A Star Wars. I never said that. Not I have dude, to some remade, of my favorite movies was. of all time are remakes. This movie. I'm not saying that that uh, a movie that's a remake doesn't need to exist. It needs to justify its existence. Lots of remakes Stars justify Born their need existence. to be remade. Why did Star Wars need to be remade? It, why? I'm not saying it needed to, but at least justified its existence. Well, how, how did it justify it? By doing something different. I'll even argue that when did. it was announced that Clint Eastwood uh, was going to remake Stars Born with uh, Beyonce, I thought, well, no one needs that movie. Right. <laughs> we don't oh, because wow. he would have done but, the but, exact same But because thing. it was really good, you give it a pass. And then now Lion King. No, because he does something no. different. No, it does not. Does it's the same story. It's the same story, man. <laughs> no, it's, it's the exact it's, same story. The thing is the same story, but it still does something different. 310 to Yuma is the same story, but it does something different. Stars okay, Born well, is, oh my God. Stars Born is literally a remake that's been done four times and you were perfectly fine with it and, and put it in your number different. one of the year. That and makes no no Absolutely different films. No, they're I disagree. Do films. you guys know the Rotten Tomatoes grade for Favreau's Lion King? I know it's flirting I, between. I being would assume twenty-seven percent. What's it at? It's like sixty-one. Sixty-one. Oh. My point with the sixty-one is that I'm a little bit stunned. I thought it was going to be a lot higher. I so thought it'd be in the eighties or low nineties, actually. To be honest with you. Uh, breaking news: While we're having this conversation, uh, our Tarantino Star Trek quote got picked up by the very first outlet and they're running with it right now. Uh, we got we got this covered. Has uh, our quotes where they Ooh. call us uh, let me see. This has fans concerned that this new entry in the spacefaring saga will count as the 10th movie and oh no we'll never get another Tarantino project again can you even imagine? During an interview with the Real Blend podcast crew though oh, he talked hey. about a loophole <laughs> that could make lots of people happy and then they block quote uh, our story from the from, uh, from our podcast. That's awesome. So. That is awesome. How's that? Yeah, making the rounds. Alright, let's get into our blend game. Uh, take take from uh, this past conversation what you will of the Lion King, whether we are sending you to it or not. Uh, I still think that if you uh, have a family, you should um, you should probably take them to it. Why not? I mean, it's big screen entertainment. It looks great. Give it a shot. Why not? Wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Cinema Blend, while we're yeah. on this topic, yes. just posted that, that Star Trek article and kevin yeah. if you thought you you got feisty about the, the lion king prepare yourself for this Uh oh. let me read a quote uh wouldn't tarantino and i'm curious <laughs> as to who wrote this article exactly <laughs> and this is from the cinema blend article from our interview kevin which we were also a part of Check right. the wouldn't tarantino want to ensure that his final movie was as groundbreaking boundary pushing and wildly original as all of the films that he has developed up until this point Sounds from Django good. Unchained and right. Pulp Fiction right. to the two Kill Bill movies. <laughs> mm. I mean, yeah. When you run a site. <laughs> Who wrote that? But Sean. Your, yours truly. Yours truly. How do we get no like editorial vote on that whatsoever? You don't work for the site. You can say whatever you want on Fox 32 Chicago. I can't correct you. Oh, I will. <laughs> uh, Anne Hathaway blend. Hey, Jake, what do you think of the uh, 1986 Fly movie with Jeff Goldblum? Is that okay to remake? 
Dude, all you're doing is doubling down on my. Was argument. that okay to remake that movie? I mean, I don't know if it's necessary. Yeah, because I mean, the I two fly really movies are. We can do this all day. We're getting the rap. I don't know. Game. I mean, I, it seems like I don't really know if it's necessarily to remake the fly movie, right? It was made in '86. I don't know. Better, better effects. The, the, the thing. fact that you were like you like your your headbuds must not be working because you're not the listening de- to what I'm the telling. The Departed you. was a remake. I mean, come on, man. You're not. Li- oh my God, you're not listening to what Reservoir I'm telling. Reservoir Dogs you. is kind of a remake. I mean, there's like there's so many like. Kevin, Wait, come on, dude. This, you, you gotta argue better than this, man. You gotta at least you gotta at least address what I'm saying. Reservoir Dogs isn't a remake. It's just there's there's it's based on certain things, but yeah, anyways. And Hathaway blend. And Hathaway blend. Uh let's see who gets to go first, according to the show notes that I have open and I'm going down. Oh, Gabe didn't. Oh, I get to go first. Gabe is Gabe is hastily adding names <laughs> willy-nilly. Gabe to just keep wants the this episode to get O to be over with. Moving along. Uh I picked um Rachel getting married. Which oh, is a, a devastatingly beautiful film um, that convinced me Anne Hathaway would be an actress uh, to contend with for years to come. Now, prior to her appearing in that Jonathan Demi film, which if people haven't seen it yet, uh, she is a troubled younger sister who's returning from drug rehab and is coming home to her somewhat hippie family Um and they, everyone's concerned that her addictions and her destructive personality is going to disrupt uh, the wedding. And the wedding is a very bohemian, casual hangout with some really beautiful turns by um, the parents. And I forget the name of the actress who plays her older sister. I'm going to click and find out. Um, but Hathaway was coming off of a string of movies. Rosemary DeWitt gives a really great performance as... Anne Hathaway's older sister. Prior to this, Anne Hathaway was in Get Smart, Becoming Jane. She was in Devil Wears Prada, but I'd argue got overshadowed by Meryl Streep, Stanley Tucci, and... uh, Emily Blunt? Yes, thank you. Uh, Brokeback Mountain, where, again, you know, supporting part and overshadowed by the two leads. And her Princess Diaries and Ella, Anch- Ella Enchanted movie. So, you know, no one really knew what to make of her at this point. She was definitely a movie star. She could carry franchise. She was good in all of those films. And then Rachel Getting Married, she devastated me with the way that she held down this really, really difficult character. And um, I will say that uh, Anne Hathaway's performances sometimes rub me the wrong way. They come across as cool and artificial. And um, someone once tweeted a long time ago, and this this nailed the how I feel about Anne Hathaway and really have a hard time um, saying out loud sometimes. She said, Anne Hathaway always looks like um, someone who's having a really good time in pictures, but is thinking to herself, I'm having fun now. And, and it's just, it's like, it's bogus. Like you can't buy into it. And I feel that way about so many of her performances but I didn't at all in Rachel Getting Married. I thought she was as honest and raw and authentic uh, as I've ever seen her. So I'm going to single that out as not only one of her best performances, uh, but also one of the best movies that she's been involved in. That's a great movie. That's a good Thank movie. Thank you. It's a really solid film. Yeah. Um, that's and a little I bit. I, I just I hope they don't remake it. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I just don't, I don't want them to remake that movie. I just, you know, that'd be a Jake, bad you idea. get to go next. If they do see, remake see, it, I hope they make changes to it. Right, right. Yes, because then it will justify its existence, unlike Kevin's argument, which they keeps doing the same thing over and over again. King. It's not the same movie, actually, but yes, there you it's, go. Dear God. It's, uh, <laughs> my pick, it's funny that you talked about uh, movies where she was the starring role. Um, 
uh, yet somehow often found herself being overshadowed by supporting characters because I'm going to pick a, a, a role in which I feel like she did the exact opposite where she was a supporting character but somehow overshadowed everyone else, which is uh, late, her role in Les Mis. Uh, there you go. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a character that disappears really at the end of the first act, but uh, in, in a nearly, what is it, two and a half hour long musical? Yes. Her, especially her, like her show-stopping number, the, the moment for which she won the Oscar, I mean, resonates through the rest of that movie. I mean, well, I mean, I'll tell you too, like with that scene, like there's, there was so much pre-release Oscar buzz, um, for her performance and that song in particular Yeah, that I'll tell you personally. And I think a lot of other people did it when it arrived at that moment in the film, like I folded my arms and I was Here like, Here we go. All right. You know, here's your chance. Do go ahead, do it. Right. <laughs> Impress me. And then she sang it. And I was like, that race is over. <laughs> yep, done. It's game wow. over. Wow. Um, it, it's an app. I mean, like I, I went through a couple of different uh, choices. In fact, I even texted Gabe something earlier that was my pick and then ended up changing my mind um, because I just can't from. I mean, the fact that she could be in a movie with those showstopper, with those incredible yeah. actors. And when the movie's over and we haven't seen her in an hour and a half and I'm like, she's the first thing I want to talk about, I think is a testament to her. Um as, as an actress and, and, and what she brought to, to that very limited role, really. Yeah. Um, but it's just absolutely uh, uh, tremendous. And, that had uh, to be a really hard film for her to do the Oscar circuit for because she's barely in it, you know? I mean, she, but she was, I mean, I remember when we did the junket. Yeah. Uh, she, I mean, she was, she was the room you, what you prepared for. She was the one that okay. you wanted to get. I mean, like, yeah, we got everybody. Yeah. But uh, that was the room that you wanted to make sure that, you know, if your flight was running late, you got that or, you know, you, you, you got that room no matter what. That's funny. I, I asked her a question at that junket that I still don't believe she gave me the right answer for. Um, and it still oh, bothers me to this, this day. Yeah. No, 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 no. What is because it? If you watch that scene really closely and Hathaway has that singing performance and that tear rolls down her face at the exact moment of an exact note. If right. you watch that scene closely, the tear rolls down her eye and she hits it during the right moment at a right note. And I asked her as an actress, do you have to time that tear? Because if it's done in one shot, which it is, the whole scene's done in one shot from what I understand. I have to go back and look at it again. That tear rolls down her face at the exact right time. You cannot tell me that she did not time that, meaning that she did not let go of that tear at a right how do you but, let go of a tear at a time because if it's bubbling up in your eye you can blink and it'll fall down so oh, my point my point is uh i asked her that and she made me feel like an idiot for asking that question like like not, not oh. I, i'm sorry let me clarify she made me feel like an idiot she just basically said there's no there's no way you can time the tear i'm like watch the scene again it is okay it, there's no way you cannot not time that or it's cgi i don't know but it I is think it might be cgi is it do you think that's why she didn't answer it? Because the tears CGI. Yeah, I, I mean, CGI. like, yeah, I could, maybe is it possible that she was not, not offended is the wrong word, but like she was taken aback by that question because she didn't want to like it, it, it would take away from the the thought that like she's that good of an actress and she pulled it off. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't it, know. I mean, uh, here's the thing. I, I'll say this. Anne Hathaway's always been super nice, super respectful. I, I said the word making her make me feel like an idiot be only because I felt like an idiot after asking the question because I thought it was stupid. But then I look back at the scene and I still want to know the answer to that. I want to know how they time that tear falling. 
I'm going to very briefly just interject here um, because you guys have had wonderful experiences with Anne Hathaway and she's my story of um, I had the worst junket experience of my what? life. What? Uh, you've Hathaway. never she's told always me been story. so nice to me. Always. She's such a, a, a nice never, person. Dude, she and I have our, our bit. Your junket wife bit, which is infamous at this point now, and worked extremely well to your favor over the course of multiple junkets. And you yes. guys rode it for as long as you needed to, and it worked yes. out great. But whenever, and believe you've me, people ask us this. You've never told us this story. People ask us this all the time. What's your best interview you've ever had? And what's your worst? And I have two worsts. One of them is Harrison Ford, uh, who I interviewed for Firewall. And let me tell you, uh, there are a thousand movies on this planet that... Harrison Ford would have preferred to discuss than the movie Firewall <laughs> that day. Uh, and the other one was Anne Hathaway, who um, to, uh, I, I won't give specifics, but what I'll say is um, we were at a junket uh, at a remote location. They um, tried to, oh, there were going to be outdoor setups for the junket and the weather meant they had to move indoors. And so the production crew was racing against the clock to move everything from the outdoor spot with the great backdrops to a hotel room and get everything set up as quickly as possible. And Anne, to her credit, showed up early to start the day. And um, but the room wasn't ready uh, at all. Then they were working as hard as they could, you know. And so I got a text message from a studio rep that said, hey, if you're around, can you come down and be around because Anne Hathaway's here and she'd like to start. And so we'd love to line some people up. And so I said, yeah, I got nothing going on. I had my questions all prepped and rolled down. And uh, so she was in the room and they said, you're first hop in. And I hopped in and the room wasn't ready. And we tried small talk. Uh, she was working on Interstellar at this point. And Ooh. so the guy made a joke along the lines of like, uh, we're, we're going quick as we can, but it might be like another 15, 20 minutes. And I said, oh, great. All the time in the world, you can tell me everything about Interstellar. And she was like, ah, no. And I was like, oh, all right. Okay. Not in the mood. <laughs> Not in the mood to play around. Nice. And uh, that was the highlight of our conversation. Oh, <laughs> that was the highlight. And it just went, it went downhill relatively fast. And so here's what I'll say is that I maybe she was just having a bad day, right? Like maybe she just wasn't in the mood to be doing press. And the situation, uh, such as it was with the tech not being ready and her feeling that she knew better how to set up the room than the other guys. And then um, her thinking that all of my questions were shit. Um, you know, it's uh, all of those factors leading into one and um, I have not done her since that time. And that was my only experience with her. And and every, you guys have said nothing but amazing things about her. And I believe it. Oh, no, 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 that's not true. God, that's not true. I interviewed her for uh, one day. I think was the name of that movie. And In she New was York. actually, she was great. Yeah, she was great at that. She was great at that junk. She was really kind. To this Sean's point, by the way. That good. happens sometimes in the sense of like it's it does like they're human beings and they're and they and they have bad days. Like I, I've gotten Harrison Ford in a really bad mood and I've gotten Harrison Ford in a great mood. Um, yeah. So like I always say to myself, if I interview the person more than once and they're and they're better or worse the second time around, it's just the I always think of it as the, just where they are emotionally in that day. Um, now. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would. I mean, again, I don't know what the experience was like for you. I'm sure it was there was some awkwardness, but I would imagine maybe she was just having a bad day. And then if she was great for you the yeah, next yeah. time, I don't know. It's fascinating though because like most of the time, I would say that actors, everyone I've ever talked to, has generally been really cool. They're just times where people were having a bad day, and you can tell it. You know what I mean? And Kevin too. I mean, and by no means am I trying to to put us in the same category as as Harrison Ford or Anne Hathaway. But Kevin, don't you find too like we get to a lesser degree, obviously, but we get recognized in the streets by nature of what we do. And I mean, it's I'd I'd like to think that I've been nice to to everyone that that's come across, as I'm sure you have, Kevin. But like, I'm sure there's someone out there who exists who ran across me on a day where like maybe I didn't maybe I wasn't nice enough or maybe I didn't respond the way that they wanted me to respond. And that is the entirety of right. their history with me. So a hundred percent of like of their knowledge of me in person is maybe me not being the guy that they wanted me to be. I'm not I'm just saying that I have like a, a distinct knowledge of ever being mean to anybody, but like I'm sure there have been days where I just was just sort of like, hey, hey, how's it going? And they kind of left it at that and maybe they wanted more. And I'm sure there there's someone out there that um Granted, this is a you know running into someone on the streets different than a than a junket situation because that's a situation where you should be nice, hundred percent should be nice to somebody. Um, but yeah, so you so you never really know uh, really what someone's going through uh, on, on any particular and day. And I'll give you Anne Hathaway credit credit when I asked that question about the tear, she wasn't rude to me about it. I just felt like I felt like there was an answer there that I wasn't getting. Kevin, did you ask her what her favorite Quentin Tarantino movie is? I did not. What is it? Oh, it's easily. It's the Hateful Ocean's Eight. Oh, yeah. That's, great. That's a really good one. <laughs> Kevin, you're up. One. What's your favorite Anne Hathaway movie? Um, My favorite Anne Hathaway movie, well, my favorite movie she's ever been in is Interstellar, but that's that's cheating, so I'm not going to go that route. I think my favorite movie she's done um, outside of Interstellar is Love and Other Drugs. Uh, because oh, I just, interesting. I just love that performance. I love that story. I love her and Jake Gyllenhaal's chemistry. I love that. I just love their relationship and I love her character and I love, I don't know. There's something, everything about that film. I just felt, I fell in love with those two people and I wanted them to be together. And, um, I don't know. There was, there was something about her character that was so interesting to me. I I haven't seen it in a long time, but I just remember being blown away by that particular performance and that particular character and that relationship with, John Hall. I mean, like it's it's interesting because like my my ultimate go to for her is going to be Interstellar, but I feel like that's a cheating to give that answer because when I think of Interstellar, Interstellar has I think of Nolan, I think of uh, Chastain. I, yeah, there's a lot of things I think about, but Love and Other Drugs, I key in on Anne Hathaway. You know what I love about Kevin McCarthy, and people don't single this out enough. He loves a good romance. I do like. He a does good love a good one, and, and he finds romance in movies that aren't on the surface romance. Django right. Unchained is one of the greatest I love stories Django, of our time. Like, yeah, Django Unchained is one I of the greatest it. love stories of our time. Love that movie. Interesting. Yeah, so it's true. So it's true romance. All right, let's go to some audience picks for Annie Hathaway. We got a Are lot of audience picks. We did get a number of them, and people went all over the board. Now, Yuri agreed with me uh, and said Rachel getting married. A lot of people said Colossal, including Cooper Hood. I like Colossal. And Adam Fraser also. Colossal's a really good film. And then Danielle Solzman uh, said Princess Diaries, which also got a number of votes because I think that's probably one of the first times that people got to know Anne Hathaway. Uh, for next week, and this ties into, marginally, the fact that Quentin Tarantino is going to be on episode number 77 of Real Blend. But Gabe says we're playing hashtag George Clooney Blend. 
So you can let Ooh, us know. Ooh, that's your pick. a good one. That's a really good one because he's all over the board. That's a great one. I think I know mine, and it's going to really surprise you guys. Mine. I definitely do not. It's Batman. Uh, so here's how you can let us know your George Clooney picks. You can go to Twitter and use the hashtag George Clooney Blend, and we will search your answers that way. You can also email us at realblendedcinemablend.com. Uh, you can go on the iTunes page, and while you're leaving us a review about the show, you can say, hey, by the way, I love George Clooney in this movie, and use the hashtag George Clooney Blend so that we can find it. And then next week... When we come on, uh, we're going to record an episode. We're going to talk about the news of the day. We're going to play George Clooney Blend. And we are going to run our full interview with Quentin Tarantino. On Pending the game Blend, approval. On the Real Blend podcast. Yes. So until next week, uh, you can find Jake at, at Jake's Takes. Kevin is found at Kevin McCarthy TV. I changed my Kevin, Twitter handle. A lot more. You're getting a lot of political people lately. I see you. Yeah, You're my my new Twitter people. handle is Kevin McCarthy TV loves remakes. <laughs> Please, all right. Just the way somebody also started. <laughs> I've interviewed Julia Roberts. Please <laughs> do. Kevin McCarthy TV loves remakes, <laughs> and, and I promise you, all of the people involved with the show will follow it. Uh, I'm at. Sean I will not. I swear to God, I will not. Sean underscore O'Connell. I feel really uh, bad about Jake and I arguing the way we just did. So I just want to say no, I'm sorry. This is, well, this is what we do. I, I just want to apologize. Like, if we though. were both, uh, if we were both tennis players and we met in Wimbledon, would you not walk onto that court and give 110 percent, even of, though it was your friend on the other of side? Of course of that? I would. But by, b- b- before I go to sleep. In the next ten minutes here, I want to apologize and go to sleep on good terms. I'm just really we're, sorry dude, about that. We we are gonna we will go we will go to sleep saying I love you. I promise you. Okay. All right. And uh, you're still wrong. But that uh, the, the, the remake of our love is is one that is constantly changing. Therefore, I approve of it. <laughs> no, but every day I wake up and our love is remade, and it's the same, and it feels great, and it's different <laughs> every know, day. I'm okay with it. I'm okay it's with different. Our love being remade every day. I have no issue with it. Okay, for God's <laughs> sakes, do your job. <laughs> Unless John Favreau's directing it, in which case right, it's the right. same exact but then love he re- from from. But then the remakes happen. And it'll be cheese, soulless. We have cheese pizza. Yeah, you know. All right. Don't forget. Go to iTunes. Drop us a review. Uh, give us a star rating. We will be back next week. You guys believe me. I think you're going to hear one or two teases on social media about next week's episode. Uh, the Real Blend interview with Quentin Tarantino. So until then, when we're all back at it again. D-U-N-K-I-R-K spells Dunkirk. That's terrifying. Thank you. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.